Hello and welcome. You're tuned into Ambitious Accountant. It's that podcast that balances the books on the diverse world of accountancy. I'm your host, Trey, a passionate accountant who loves diving into the world of finance and numbers. In this podcast, we uncover the ambitious, the dreams and the unique pathways of these lovely financial wizards whom I would like to call. So grab your coffee, sit back and let's demystify the world of accountancy together. An Ambitious Accountants is proudly sponsored by Briska. So, on today's episode, we have a special guest. I would like to call her a trailblazer in the field of industry, field of accountancy. But not only that, she's also an inspiration for the accountants around the country and beyond. Welcome on the show, Sisima. Welcome, Sisi. Thank you very much. I'm honored to be invited. Lovely. It's an honor to be having a chat with you as well, uh, with a personality like you. And uh, just so that everyone of the audience know from where your background is and how your business has been growing, a brief introduction about yourself to kick things off. Certainly. Thanks for the question. Yes. So my name is Siti Ma and I'm the Managing Director of Grow and Sell Your Biz, a business that I started five years ago. And we help businesses grow by getting them the right investors and partners and exit down the road if they wanted to. And we've had uh, more than 27 years of experience and we've done uh, more than $17 billion of transactions. And we're applying the knowledges and experiences and connections from that, that those experiences to help SMEs and large businesses alike. And uh, my uh, history from the, the for the accountants is that I have a I am a, the deputy president of CPA Australia in Queensland. Um, yes. I am the fellow of CPA uh, who's actually have never I've never practiced accountant uh, accountant uh, accountancy as a profession in all my commercial you know practice uh, uh, in my business life. I've always done mergers and acquisitions buying and selling businesses, corporate finance, um, you know, investments and, and things like that that's connected with accounting and yes. accounting was a solid base for that. Um, but I never actually, I managed, I managed a $2 billion accounting, practice, not accounting practice, but a, a company with $2 billion worth of um, revenue. I was the uh, financial controller of the team which I had accountants uh, supporting, you know, reporting to So I understand in practice what happens in the accounting field as well. Yeah, um, yeah so, so that's, uh, that's 27 it. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been uh, mm. from 1996. That's quite a long time. And you hold uh, uh, esteemed positions in public uh, practices as well in terms of... Uh, the board of the CPA in uh, Queensland. So amidst all this, I'm pretty sure it was not a bed of roses which kind of uh, kept you going and came so far. Any particular hurdles mm-hmm. that you faced during those early days when you started out? Um, myself or the company? The business, your yourself in particular? Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, th- I think the earlier days, you know, back in 1996, for example, I was actually uh, very quiet. I, you know, I'm very good at practical, very technical, 
but I wasn't expressing myself in meetings and and people, you know, talking to people, for example. And um, so, I guess my one of my hurdles is that I wasn't noticed by others initially. So I was, you know, basically a, a, like a, a corporate finance analyst. Um, but then one of my, you know, uh, bosses, who's the, the director, actually said, you know. She said she sorry. He found that whenever he asked me a question, I was always able to answer it, and everybody listened when I spoke. So he said, "Sissy, you should speak up more because if you don't speak, nobody will know what you're thinking about." And that's really was the I guess the, it was almost like a a, a point of um, a um, a change point for me in that. Yeah. From then on, I started to talk, speak up in meetings and started getting noticed and I started getting, you know, uh, given really significant jobs like uh, managing a, G, you know, a GST implementation project for a uh, $16 billion company. So it is very much that um, if you don't, you know, in Australia, if you don't uh, say things, if you don't speak up, you just yeah. wouldn't get the opportunity, and so that's one of the learnings I've got, and I, which is why I started uh, the uh, APAC Women's Mentoring Circle, which also welcomes men, and it's really helping people to actually uh, find their mentors and then help them with their career, and you know these sort of things. I always thought if I had this back early in my career, my career would would probably have been different. It probably would have taken me a lot quicker to get to where I was. Yes. Yeah. So the turning point that you mentioned, uh, coming from your scene, is actually, I would say, a blessing in disguise, which kind of put you to this field, and hence we are having this chat twenty-seven years later. Mm -hmm. But speaking about your firm, your practice is not the ideal traditional accountant's practice, but we are considering into mergers and acquisitions and different areas of business. My question is, why that? Given the fact that you could have taken the traditional accountant's path. Why the difference? And mm, Yeah. Well, I actually did my, corporate, my uh, master's in corporate finance. So oh. back in 1996, I started working in corporate, corporate finance field. I started working with really large companies and you know, did the $17 billion worth of transactions. And they're all very, in you know, acquisitions, uh, selling businesses and, and um, things like that. So the first 20-odd years I've been working with other companies and helping other companies buy and sell. And so when I started my own business, I thought, what is the competitive advantage that I, that I have? Um, I'm not your traditional accountant. I, yes. you know, I know what, what is required. I know how to do it, but I, you know, that's not really my passion. My passion is to help small, medium businesses to actually find the, the, you know, the capital that they need to grow their businesses, whether in Australia or, or globally. And in particular, I'm passionate about actually helping businesses uh, with an impact that, that actually work in the field of impact businesses like health technology, like climate technology, like um, agricultural technology, education, ed tech, and, and those sort of, et cetera, et cetera. So 
um, that's when I start when I started my business I thought oh, what can I do what sort of things should I be focusing on and then I decided that these are the things I wanted to start focus on is to actually help businesses with their you know uh, increasing their impact um, to the extent I can yeah so that that's why I started this grow and sell your biz rather than uh, your, your traditional accounting firm but I have a lot of accounting uh, firm partners so they are my referral partners and I'm their referral partners as well so because of, you know when I get um, when I get an investor into a company a lot of the times they actually want to, to have a new accountant to look after the books because they, they they see that some of their old accountant accounting may not have been done properly so they want to have their own stamp on the business and all when you have grows into the, you have more investment in a company, you actually have, uh, you know, you go from $2 million to a $10 million per annum business, then you have different requirements as well in terms of your accounting requirements. So you all always have to uh, think about who uh, the ideal accounting partner is. Yes, and uh, your story clearly tells that, uh studying in finance or studying in accountancy, we don't really have to confine ourselves to that rigid framework. Okay, you have to be an accountant and so forth. So just like you're mm. serving in yeah. diverse fields and uh, giving out diverse services, uh, accountants can also kind of groom and trim themselves. And you spoke that you are kind of serving into different industries and different clientels at different stages of their business. Any mm. particular story that you can kind of share with us of the positive influence that you have had on them, on the business? Mm -hmm. Sure, certainly. Um, well, one particular client uh, that I started with back in 2018, they, they're still my clients today. And uh, last, a couple of weeks ago, they're a New York Stock Exchange listed company. A couple of weeks ago, they just announced an acquisition of uh, one of the largest uh, sort of vertical companies within Australia. Um, it's yeah. a $45 million US transaction and I basically helped them from the start to the end. And the, you know, the, it is uh, just identifying what, what are the, you know, it's a due diligence for an acquisition and that's the, the, the value that I added for them. But the story with that company is very interesting because when I took them on back in 2018, uh, the first project that they, they wanted me to have a look was a $10 million acquisition, a potential acquisition for $10 million. And I had a look and I decided that it wasn't what was the money. So I said, you actually, they actually have to need to pay you to take it on because they have liabilities there, their books are a mess and, you know, they have, uh, they have uh, taxation, tax office debt and all yeah. these things. And, so I actually uh, got myself out of uh, some more revenue from that very first deal because if it went through, I would have got more revenue, right, because I'm helping on the, on the buy side. But yes. I told them that it's better for you not to buy the company. And, and because of what I told them, the, you know, very honest feedback and I gave them all the right, you know, reasons for it. They since then they basically the head office was saying you know whatever you do in Australia take CC on get her to do your due diligence for all the work and so we've looked at many businesses from that on 
until today. So yeah, that's a, that's a story. But well, I also have another story where we looked at where I looked at a company and and you know looked at the uh, their uh, basically their, their customers and what they should have done and decided that you know in a we, we did a, a white uh, space analysis and in this you know space of a uh, thirty minutes identified in a company that had about, uh, I think, $4 million per annum in revenue, and they could have $12 million in, in revenue instead within the space of half an hour. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's, it's like well, you, you need to know where to look and what to, what to look for, and, and then, you know, that, that, and then they say, oh, this is the value. We should just go in and, and do the work. And you know that that will help them grow their business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I clearly started mm. off saying that I'm having a chat with a financial wizard, and you're clearly <laughs> on. <laughs> Change in the course of a business in half an hour. I've only heard mm. stories of it, not in reality. So there you go. Uh, yeah. mm. uh, see, lovely, and then pretty sure yeah. your uh, career is kind of peppered with all those stories. Uh, Slightly moving away from your business and yourself, in terms of tackling uh, some impending issues that uh, we are going through in Australia, especially with respect to the current skill shortage, would you like to uh, share some strategies that you use for yourself or for the businesses that you uh, give advice to stay to stay ahead and attract and retain new talent in terms of skill um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it doesn't matter whether it, there is a skill shortage or whether there's not a skill shortage. People yeah. are people. And, you know, if we want to attract and retain employees, we should do do it regardless, right? Even if it, it is the employer's market, if you want to be, you know, retain, attract and retain the right employees, you, you should do the right thing anyway. So for me... Um, it's like you've got to find the you know the value of the company, and you've got to find the the, the employees that aligns with the value of the company. And you know, for me, it's like for me, it's impact driven businesses. And so all of the, the um, I guess clients are impact driven, but I also have people that are helping me. So all of my contractors, all of the partners that I work with. They also have the same mindset as me in terms of the, you know, the the, the impact driven as well, um, and I think it's, you know, uh, that kind of thing would attract the right people, um, yeah. and it's not, you know, it's I, I know that a lot of people are saying, oh, your money actually is a really important thing, um, but sometimes people don't really, you know, it's not number one. It's definitely I don't think it's number one in how much money that you, you're going to pay people because in the in especially in in, in times where um, there is a skills shortage uh, what attracts people is is actually not necessarily the money and it's uh, it's also about well how what is the company what's the what's the company's uh, value like what's the company's culture like what you know how are you it, what's your uh, what's the management like? How's the people tr- being treated in the company? Are they respected? Are they, you know, are they t- uh, accepted as themselves? You know, it's the, this whole thing about, um, I guess, 
value uh, addition, a value, you know, like we talk about uh, uh, diversity and inclusion. Exactly. And um, yeah, but I, I think it's, it's a value add uh, each, each person has. So, you know, respect them as what they have, what they can add rather than, uh, you know, putting a, a, some sort of um, frame around them and, and give them some sort of stereotype. That will that will help, yeah. So that's what I think. I mean, you know, obviously strategies like you know, if you wanted to get people in, then you have to uh, tell the world that they need, you needed people. You know, all of those things. But I think those are more tactics rather than strategies. I think yeah. strategy is it's still the same that in whatever field it's it's like you start with the why i start with what is your why for your company what is the why for the person that you're dealing with in, in attracting them yeah so I, I mean people would more it would be more likely to be loyal to a company that they find that they're being welcomed they're treated right and they're being respected um rather than okay if they're they're given uh, X number, maybe forty percent more than the other company. But if you actually get more than more money in this company, but you're you're having all the stress and you're not treated well, then would you stay with the company that that gives you so much money? Because yeah, because you, just think about it. More you spend so much more time working than than uh, in your days in your sleep in your awake time. Then yeah. even work with with your family really. Mm. It, it is because as you said, uh, people don't really think of the why factor, the why for the company and the why for the person. And if you actually mm. think of that, that's all that, mm. that, that matters. Yeah, uh, that's right. And what has been your most fulfilling incident of your accounting slash finance career so far? Um. There are so many fulfilling incidences. Oh, yeah, just a lot of them. I mean, if, if, when you talk about dollar values, I, you know, I've worked on ten billion dollar, uh, you know, company. I've worked on five billion dollar, uh, sorry, IPOs. And when the IPO is is down, yes, that's very fulfilling. But you yes. feel like you're probably like a small. You know, even though I was the lead of the ITO, there's a hundred people also working in that. You know, it's it's like yes, that's very fulfilling. But for me, when I close the transaction, uh, I, I mean, it's a really interesting example that I had. It's a small, really small transaction. It's only a million dollars, but I actually felt very fulfilled when I did that. The reason being that I went to the to Los Angeles and I was in a, a business conference there. And I've been trying to get this investor who lives in Santa Monica, which is like two hours uh, drive away. And yes. he basically said, oh, I don't have time. I can't." I said, come to L.A. and I will introduce you to all these people. He said, oh, I can't go. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And so six days in a row, I've been sending him photos for him to come to, to L.A. He decided still last day he still hasn't come. So I decided the last day before my flight back, I'm I hired a car, put my luggage in the car, drove up to see him, and got to the KFC in the in uh, Santa Santa Monica, and basically said, "Hey, I'm here. I'm just 
you know, at the KFC, can we meet for 15 minutes? <laughs> so she nice. said, oh, yeah, we can, I can meet, I can meet, but in, in 30 minutes. So I, I waited for 45 minutes to meet him and went up to meet him. For We initially would have 15 minutes, one five. We ended up talking 45 minutes. And at the end of that, he said, he decided, yes, I'm going to invest. And, you know, uh, it, it's only a million dollars, but that one million dollars actually saved a company from going bankrupt during the pandemic because the, the money just came in in February 2020 and the company is the Airbnb for pets. And remember, during the pandemic, you don't, nobody is leaving their home, so they, they didn't need any Airbnb for pets. So... I felt very, very happy that I did that transaction. I did draw up, you know, I drive up and we had that call, we had that meeting, face-to-face -face meeting. And, you know, it, it, it's even though it's a very small transaction, it has a big impact of saving a company. So that's, that's what I'm happy about. Yes. And uh, at the end of the day, it's going that extra mile or that drive to Santa Monica, which kind of saves a company and pretty much yeah. saves an entire community. And then, yeah, that, that's what that's matters. Right. Yeah, very much. And, uh, and uh, a couple of just questions before we wind up the show. Any particular advice that you would like to share with anyone who wants to start off their own business, start off their own practice, especially for accountants and finance professionals? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, if they wanted to start their own practice, uh, think about what you know, what 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 their difference, uh, dip, you know, unique, what their unique. Uh, selling proposition is going to be because there are so many practices out there. So they have to stand out from the rest. And um, also, you know, uh, go and get a mentor, a business mentor, a business coach. Or, you know, as a person it's yourself, go and get a mentor or get multiple mentors and, you know, to help you along the way. Because uh, when you start a business uh, versus when you're at in, in an employee, it is very different. You know, when you're in, in as when you're working as an employee, um, you're thinking about maybe a, a very you you know very sort of tunnel vision about yes. something. But when you own a business, it's everything. You have to be a generalist in everything. You have to be a, a jack of all trades, and so. Having someone who's done it before, who's, who can help you along the way, could, would save you so many um, right wrong turns, you know. From one A to B, there are so many ups and downs, and yeah. just make sure that you, you've got someone to help you along the way so that you don't go too low when you, go, when you are at the low point. It's actually true and quite insightful advice. And... Uh... Thank you so much, Susie. Thanks a lot for taking your time and being with us. And before we conclude, uh, if our audience wants to get in touch, what would be the best way to reach out to you? Oh, they can reach me on my website, growandsellyourbiz.com, my email address, sissima at growandsellyourbiz.com, or LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, WeChat, you know, all of those uh, I, I have as well. But uh, probably LinkedIn would be the easiest way. Lovely. So if anyone wants to get in touch with Sissy and to know one, one of her lovely financial wizard stories, there you go. LinkedIn, reach out to her and it will make your career even more greater. And thanks a lot, Sissy. Thanks again for being with us. And thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for being with us as well. Stay tuned. We'll be with you 
with another great episode. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Andrea.